Now for our guest segment, The Psychological Dynamics of Authoritarianism and Its Power as a Threat to Democracy. I mentioned earlier the background credentials of my guest, Dr. Diana Alstad and Dr. Joe Kramer. Nice to have you both with us today. Uh, it's nice to be here, Gary. Hello. Hi. Um, let us, uh, since both of you were there at the birthing of the American movement towards challenging authoritarian power, in, at least for the baby boomers, and you were also the authors of the Guru Papers, Masks of Authoritarian Power, let's begin by taking a look at power and how today power has been, as it always has, corrupting, but it comes in a very slick package. And more often than not, we are enamored by people's personalities, their manners, their smoothness. And at the end of a debate, I heard Keith Urban say, you know, he looked presidential. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about, Keith? I don't care about how someone looks. I care about what is the meaning of their message. Who is this for? How is it implemented? How are they going to uh, help people? Tell us about what we can learn first by going a step back, back in 1993, uh, when uh, that was... Uh, uh, written about the Guru Papers, The Mask of Authoritarian Power, and then explain to us, if you will, please, what we have to see in others who we have given the power of choice over to and determining the difference between their efforts and their results. The form is yours. Well, you know, okay, everyone, you know, well, not everyone, but people are aware how power corrupts and, uh, you know, absolute power, you know, corrupts absolutely. And unfortunately, that the uh, people who are, you know, trying to take over the country in a sense and trying to make people, uh, you know, clones for the kind of work that will support their endeavor and make them richer, have a very simple coalescing message that they can force their adherents to obey, which is authoritarian. But from our point of view, authoritarianism is programmed in from, you know, an early age where we're taught, you know, kids that, uh, you know, that they need adults to uh, tell them what to do, which occasionally they do, of course, but uh, they build mistrust, and uh, therefore people are looking for people who... They build mistrust for themselves. For themselves, and people are looking for saviors, for people to lead them, and aren't really questioning, aren't really debating the very important <clears throat> issues that we're facing today. Right. One of the um, theses of the Guru Papers is that for thousands of years, uh, religions and societies have inculcated self-mistrust by making them feel guilty for their human nature, which um, is to partly be concerned with self-interest as well as to be altruistic and social animals. That since Darwin, we know that uh, we're primates, we're animals, we're social animals with a, with a dual nature that's complex. But the moralities that we're operating under always made selflessness being uh, the prime virtue one could aspire to, and egotism and um, what they called selfishness, which was also just self-protection sometimes, the villain. And this caused a split in people where they mistrusted themselves. They were told they had original sin in Christianity. And once you feel guilty 
and fearful about yourself, you give your power away to those that claim to be morally superior, selfless, that offer certainty, that are unchallengeable, and that claim to know what's best for everyone. That's our simple definition of authoritarian, is ideologies or people that claim to know what's best for others and are unchallengeable. And they're always offering certainty and coming on as if they're selfless, um, in the sense that they will take, like, for instance, in politics, politicians are forced to lie, like, um, to compete with each other, and each claim that they will be more pure and take the ideology of their party into account more than anything, and the citizens, instead of telling the truth, which is to say, look, we're corruptible, we're all of us candidates are corruptible, you need to create intelligent watchdog mechanisms to protect us once we're elected, so that if, if we have ideals, instead of just self-interest, we can live up to them. We need you to be strategic in voting. For instance, Obama needed his, the people that elected him to give him a Congress two years later that he could work with, instead of being so angry and disillusioned and disappointed and cynical that they didn't even vote and made it ever harder for him to function. So it became a vicious circle. Our, our, the people need to be strategic politically right now that's very important well, let's follow up on that for a moment please because you talk about you in fact uh, you even said uh, quote obvious political authoritarianism based on physical coercion is just the tip of the iceberg because that kind of control is brutal it gets all the attention but covert authoritarian right. control is far more pervasive and serious right. and dangerous because it lives in people's minds like a computer virus without their knowing it unquote so would you um, uh, expand and go deeper into this idea of hidden covert authoritarianism, relating it to why today's most most Americans are so passive about its rise. For example, um, no one put a gun to Obama's head and said you must pass these executive orders or the, the, the National Defense Appropriation Act at nine o'clock on New Year's Eve uh, and following in Bush's tradition to have specifically lessened individual rights and civil liberties in the disguise of protecting people in the nation? Isn't that also a part of uh, covert authoritarianism? Well, there's covert authoritarianism in so many aspects of our life and in our minds. It starts as we're children when parents try to make you feel guilty for being what they call selfish instead of realizing that you need to be able to take your self-interest into account as well as the interest of others. So our morality is not based on our animal uh, human nature to, that's complex. So people grow up mistrusting themselves and giving their power away, which makes them susceptible to um, media, corporate media control and lies and um, Grover Nordquist <laughs> forcing people to sign a no taxes, no more taxes. This is an example of authoritarianism within the Republican Party. And a party that's run by authoritarianism is in it sometimes more powerful because they can coalesce everyone behind them unless the other side is very strategic and coalesces in a strategic way. So... Okay, um, I, I, I fully appreciate what you just said. Uh, Joel, would you please address this? Because um, I think this doesn't get enough attention. Politics and organized religion and corporate strategy, all of these are driven by a need to establish some kind of rule and order. And indeed, society does require laws 
I recall very classic early work by Princeton anthropologist Peter Berger called The Sacred Canopy back in the mid-1960s, noting that the lulls we need to protect ourselves in turn become our prisons. So first, speak please on the authoritarian nature of law and order by the elite, Democrat and Republican, or the or an oligarchy who govern and impose it, and then the need of the human spirit for democratic expression to be free to live our, as one wishes, and why these two antithetical, or are they antithetical? Okay, you know, uh, we make a very clear distinction between authority and authoritarianism, and we're not against authority because authority is necessary to hold a social order together. But authority can be either task-driven or what we call power-driven. And a task-driven authority, for example, when you go into an aeroplane, you want the pilot to have, uh, you know, ultimate control. You don't want it to, uh, you know, belong to, uh, you know, a member of the plane or anything like that. But as soon as that task is done, so is his authority, basically. Then there are power-driven authorities that are primarily interested in maintaining their power. And these, author- and these <coughs> authorities are authoritarian in general, the Catholic Church being an example of this. And, uh, so, and that people are trained from a very early age, you know, to obedience to, a, you know, authority, whether it be, you know, the social climate or what a small group approves or disapproves of. So that basically in our educational system, which is a big part of the problem, you know, you know, we're trained to repeat by rote what presumed authorities are telling us. And, you know, and from a political point of view, people like this are easy to manage. The problem is, for example, that an authoritarian party, you know, for example, uh, you know, what the Republican Party has turned into, has a very, very simple, easy message that coalesces a lot of people, while, you know, Democrats fight with each other as to who's right, so that strategically they are not, you know, uh, you know coming to the bat, as it were, to, uh, you know, deal with what's happening, so that, you know, this runs very pervasive and very deep. And that, you know, you know, it should be very clear that we're not against authority per se. We're against authority that is power-driven and authoritarian by nature, as one sees a lot in terms of who controls the media and how they're given lines that they repeat over and over and over again, you know, without thinking about them, that from, you know, our point of view and perhaps yours, too, are absurd. And yet people buy them because they have been trained to mistrust themselves, as Diana has said. I appreciate that insight. Thank you. And, Diana, how is our American interpretation of democracy, particularly within our political politic, similar to organized religion? And could you segue from that to one final thought? on what I view as a hidden, covert nature of elementary education today, and who benefits the most from it, and what is the ultimate goal for those who push these educational reforms? Well, uh, religion, monotheism, traditionally has been authoritarianism, just the very nature of God the Father with Ten Commandments that are unchallengeable, that you have to obey, and telling people they have original sin, that's an authoritarian religion. And that religion right now, uh, since, um, I would say, the 60s, got 
activated and politicized in reaction against feminism and uh, abortion and, and rights and, you know, the various movements, um, pro, pro, um, pro-black and things in the 60s. So now that religion um, and re- religious uh, conservatives and fundamentalists who are authoritarian have been politicized, they're dominating, unfortunately, one of our political parties in a way that's really unprecedented historically and causing a deadlock. So I think the influence of religion in America right now in politics, which isn't to say, of course, that all religious people are authoritarian or fundamentalists, but what's predominant right now is the authoritarian aspect of religion in our politics. And that's like the the origin of this social virus. A lot of it is in the morality that religion puts out and in the obedience and the metaphysics of God the Father controlling you and the commandments. So that's now infiltrated into the core of our Congress and politics. And that's a very dangerous thing. They want to have, you know, ultimately theocracy, many of them, which is the epitome of authoritarianism, where you have religion and the military combined, like you had under Hitler or Khomeini. It's a very dangerous thing that's going on right now in, in America. And the, uh, you know, and the solution, if there be one, is, uh, you know, very similar, we feel, to what you're attempting and to some in some ways successful at doing, and that is waking people up to exactly what's happening. Uh, you, know, you know, we don't see any, uh, you know, solution unless people begin to wake up and begin to establish, you know, what your other guest was talking about, establish movements that are taking on all the power. For example, we presumably own the airwaves but they've been sold out from under us without even a whimper. Well, right. The people, we need a movement to take back, the, you know, the people on the airwaves, yeah. and they've you know, been given to corporations. Right. And the idea that a corporation is a human being gives a very few human beings, I don't know how many times, the actual voting power of a single individual. This in itself is authoritarian, not democratic at all. So one of the things we're saying is that democracy is a recent uh, phenomenon in modern democracy, a couple hundred years old. That's not long at all, and it's way too soon for people to become cynical about it and say they're not going to vote and we don't have a democracy because for all of its history it's been operating under the handicap of a citizenry that's got this authoritarian social virus implanted by religion and religious morality. Well, I appreciate what you have both contributed, not just in the guru papers, the masks of authoritarian power, your your revised book, which uh, I have always felt was one of the finest books of its type, but a long history of being pioneers in the liberation of our thoughts challenging us to think differently and I commend both of you for your continuing legacy in this field and all the best to you with uh, the Guru Papers. It's needed everywhere. Dr. Diana Alstad and uh, Dr. Joel Kramer.